Welcome back to your therapy tools. Today's topic is anxiety. If you suffer from anxiety, you know what I'm talking about. But let's kind of dive a little deeper and think about what anxiety really is. Anxiety is an alert system in our body and our limbic system. It is a system much like a car alarm or a house alarm. It alerts us to danger and it allows us to avoid danger. So one theory will suggest that anxiety is passed down in our DNA all the way back from our ancestors in caveman times. So in the time of the caveman, they really needed the anxiety alarm in their body because they lived when big animals lived. Some say even dinosaurs, right? So a caveman is walking around in the woods or whatever and they hear a big thud and the ground shakes and anxiety kicks in immediately and they have to decide right then and there will they stay and fight and possibly feed their family for the next week or month if they kill this giant animal or do they not have proper weapons and attire at the time so they need to flee and get out of there so they're not killed by that giant dinosaur or whatever huge animal might be coming Or will they freeze and hide and wait for it to pass because there isn't enough time to run? So fight, flight, or freeze. Anxiety causes us to go into fight, flight, or freeze because of a perceived threat. So think about when your car alarm goes off. What is the first thing that you do? Do you panic and grab the phone and call 911? Or do you look out the window to see what's going on with your car? Maybe a cat jumped on it. Maybe there's somebody trying to break into it. You have to decide what's going on before you react, right? You don't just immediately grab your phone and call 911 and say, my car alarm's going off. I'm sure somebody's out there just waiting for me to come outside and turn it off so they can carjack me and, you know, You think logically, right, when it's a car alarm or a house alarm. So anxiety is very similar. And if you have anxiety, you may be inclined to think anxiety is a horrible, icky monster that robs you of living your life. Let me help you reframe that. Anxiety is not a bad thing, really. It's an alarm system set up in our bodies that keeps us safe. So imagine you go and visit um, the Grand Canyon and you're standing on the edge of the cliff. You're going to feel some anxiety and it's a damn good thing you do because that will keep you from being relaxed and nonchalant and possibly falling off the cliff, right? Um... If you're walking through the desert and you hear the rattle of a rattlesnake, your anxiety will kick in and cause you to freeze, which is a good thing because then your chances of being bitten are uh, a little reduced, right? 
So anxiety is a good thing. It's it's that feeling you get when you're around uh, somebody who we would consider like a bad person, somebody who's a rapist or a serial killer. You will get vibes off of their energy that will creep you out and cause you to have extreme anxiety. And there's a story that I heard in grad school about this lady who she was getting ready to get on to an elevator to go down to the parking lot, the parking structure. And she started to get on the elevator and then she saw this man get on the elevator. He, he was a different race from her and she immediately got goosebumps all over her body and something told her don't get in that elevator do not get in that elevator and she thought about what was socially acceptable and what wasn't and maybe she was being a racist and she just started overthinking it and she got in the elevator anyway he raped her and he stabbed her multiple times and she barely survived she was in ICU for a long time So her alarm system, her anxiety, was trying to warn her of a real threat. And she took to overthinking and justifying and not wanting to be rude, basically, and went against her own internal alarm system. So the reason I'm telling you this is not so that you will heed every single warning your anxiety gives you and you will rush and hide and avoid the world. That is not the point of this whole thing. The point is to help you to differentiate real threat from perceived threat. And it's also to help you to extinguish the extreme anxiety, such as the example of the car alarm. If your car alarm or house alarm goes off and you look around and it was just a fluke or a cat jumped on your car or the kids are playing football in the in the street and somebody's ball hit your car you're gonna kind of laugh it off and hit the button and turn it off and that that's that's where I would like for you to be I want to give you the tools to be able to shut it off when it's malfunctioning and to be able to listen when it is functioning so today we're going to Focus on shutting it off when it's malfunctioning. And that that would mean that we experience a perceived threat that is not really a threat. So back to the caveman days, a giant Tyrannosaurus is coming after you. That's a real threat. Now today in our world, in 2020... Our giant Tyrannosaurus could be that somebody didn't smile back at us when we smiled. It could be that we have to go and engage in a social event and we engage in stupid thoughts, cognitive distortions, and we decide, oh, I can't go, I know something bad will happen, or oh, nobody will, nobody will like me, I can't go, I, I just don't get along with people, I'm not doing this. There's your big Tyrannosaurus. And there's no evidence that it's real, but you are engaged in this negative thinking and it's feeding and reinforcing your anxiety. So anxiety is a good thing at times. 
and at other times maybe not so good but we want to look at it in more of a neutral reframe where it is anxiety is it just is it's there it's part of us everybody has it on a spectrum from low to high and throughout your lifetime you'll jump around on that spectrum and it's perfectly normal it's part of our dna according to theory so let me explain neuropathways real quick so we run away from a perceived threat and we get to our safe space maybe maybe you have pretended you were sick at work so you could get the hell out of there because you had anxiety and you had no idea why but you just had to get away so you pretend you're sick and you run home and you get home and you feel that sense of relief you're safe from whatever threat you assumed was coming at you right you feel safe and your brain has released these chemicals that give you that sense of relief and safety and you think to yourself who I dodged a bullet there I don't know what the bullet was but I dodged it or you go to a party and a few people smile and say hello perhaps even give you a hug and you are working with a negative mental filter and you notice the one person that did not acknowledge you and you start making assumptions about what that person thinks of you and suddenly you've got a headache or oops I left the oven on or I have to go feed my dog that an excuse will pop up and you'll bail out of there and when you get home your heartbeat slows down you're breathing normal again and you feel like whoo dodged a bullet there I feel good so your brain is constantly reinforcing that feel-good feeling, that sense of relief. And it begins to create a groove in your brain, a pathway in your brain that becomes a habit for you. So it reinforces your anxiety by doing this. Think about, think about like a tree in a forest. It's a forest area where a lot of, not a lot of people have been, right? It's kind of untouched. And there's a huge tree, 150 years old, and the tree finally dies. It gets a weird tree fungus or something, and the tree finally dies. Well, prior to the tree dying and falling down, whenever the snow would melt on the mountaintop, and come down the mountain it began to form a groove and that little groove got deeper and it began to form a creek and then maybe a small brook and then almost like the opening of a river that goes down into a body of water so it's a deep groove that is formed over time and the water just naturally flows down that groove every time when the snow melts year after year after year and then one day this huge 150 year old tree dies and it falls and it blocks the pathway of the beginning of that little creek or brook or river so now when the water flows when the snow melts it has to find a new path because the tree has blocked it so it will go around the tree on either side this is how we rewire our brain. Think of the reinforcing 
of your anxiety, how you, your anxiety kicks in, you flee the situation so you can go be comfortable and feel safe. And every time you do that, it's like one more year of the snow melt coming down that same little path. When we start to reframe and we start to take our power back, that's that big tree falling. That's your thought stopping for the cognitive distortions or stupid thoughts. That's you saying, no, let's reframe that thought. And thereby causing your neural pathway to open in a different area. Because now you've reframed. You literally can rewire your brain This is scientifically proven, and I hope that today's episode helps you with that. So I want you to think of that analogy of the tree. The tree is your thought stopping. When you feel yourself engaging in those stupid thoughts and cognitive distortions, reframe it. And if you don't have absolute proof that your negative thought is true and reality, throw it out. Okay, so now that we've talked about that... I want to talk about when anxiety is a disorder versus just naturally having a little anxiety because we all have it, but it becomes very disordered when you perceive threats that are not there. You have illogical fears and your stupid thoughts rule your mind and it interferes with your ability to function You may avoid school, call in sick to work. You may stop doing the things you love altogether and your world becomes smaller and smaller and smaller and it's just not healthy. Let's take a really quick break and I'll be right back. Take a few deep breaths. Okay, we're back. Now let's talk a little about the anxiety cycle, okay? Daily experiences, whether they're safe or dangerous. So maybe you're afraid of dogs. Maybe most anxieties become anxieties because we've had an experience in the past that has kind of kicked that in and now we reinforce it all the time with our our um, irrational thoughts and fears so maybe maybe as a child you were bitten by a dog or somebody that you knew was bitten by a dog maybe you witnessed it maybe you heard the story so it was trauma by proxy whatever it was you're you're afraid of dogs right now you're so afraid of dogs and You tell yourself, if I go near a dog, it will bite me. So you run away from the dog or from the person with the dog. You get to your safe space, and then your brain tells yourself, your body, that, okay, nothing bad happened. Good job. I saved us. And it's reinforcing that neural pathway that we want to reframe and rewire, right? So the cycle continues though because you avoid the dogs. 
you hide when you see a dog. You escape. You get out of there. If somebody invites you somewhere where there could be a dog, you say, oh, uh -uh, I'm not going to that. There's a dog there. Even if it's a tiny little teacup poodle, you're scared because it's a dog and it will bite you because you know that all dogs bite everybody and no way. So you repeat that same behavior when you're afraid and you avoid all perceived threats and you you won't face up to anything you avoid it and this avoidant behavior feeds your anxiety running you might run away from situations like i just described or maybe you have a social phobia so your way of running away from that would be you have to get few drinks in you before you can go to a social event in order to feel comfortable and ease that anxiety. So you're self-medicating, which is disordered and not healthy. Um, You have unhealthy coping skills with avoidant behaviors and you miss out. You really rip yourself off when you engage in this because You miss out on friendships, um, romantic relationships. You miss out on social events, and you miss out on doing the things that you love to do. You start to avoid everything because, oh, something bad will happen. And you start making up these odd stories in your head of what all these horrible things that will go wrong. Um, Usually it's not the case. You're usually just being irrational. Now, the example of the lady getting on the elevator, if if that's you and it's a complete stranger and you're alone and you feel like something's not right, I shouldn't do this, walk away, run away. doesn't matter if somebody calls you a racist. It doesn't matter what anybody says. If you're by yourself somewhere and you have that sensation, go ahead and flee. But avoiding living your life and avoiding everything that scares you on a constant basis is not healthy. So you have to change your actions in order to combat this. You can go get pills from your psychiatrist if you want, but the anxiety will still be there. You'll still be avoiding things and you still won't be living your best life. So if your anxiety is so intense that you're having panic attacks all day, every day, maybe some medication would help you to function better so that you can use these tools. And maybe eventually you could stop using the medication because the tools will kick in. But if you rely solely on medication to cure your anxiety, it will never happen. You have to have the tools to go with it. So you have to change your actions. And this part is scary because you have to face your fears instead of running away. You have to stay and sit with that fear and then point it out to yourself once the fear subsides that nothing bad has happened. And... When you do this, you lay down new neural pathways. You change your brain chemistry. You have less cortisol, stress hormone, and less adrenaline pumping through you because you have learned and trained yourself to sit there with that anxiety and just let it pass on its own and calm yourself. 
one of the ways of calming yourself when you have anxiety or panic is through mindfulness, through the four-second breathing, and through using logical, critical thinking and challenging all those stupid thoughts or cognitive distortions in the moment. You know, if you say, oh, they didn't smile back, I'm sure they hate me, you have to stop yourself right there. Imagine a big red stop sign hitting you in the forehead or snap a rubber band on your wrist or tap your foot. Train yourself to do a thought-stopping something, to stop your thought in that moment and say, eh, wrong. Do you have proof of that? If you don't have proof of that, get out of my courtroom. (laughs) Think of Judge Judy. Be harsh on yourself when it comes to negative thinking. Ask yourself, where's the proof? Are you a mind reader? No. Okay. Did this person give you any indication they don't like you? Well, they didn't smile back at me. Okay, well, a lot of people don't smile back. Maybe they're in pain. Maybe they're in deep thought and they're staring off into space and you thought they looked at you. You know, there are a million reasons why that person didn't smile back and you don't know what the reason is. So stop. Or you may see somebody walk by with a dog and you may say, that dog is definitely going to run over here and bite me. You don't know that. You don't know that. You have to stop it. So thought stopping. And practicing reframing your stupid thoughts and cognitive distortions, that you don't do it just when you have anxiety. You need to be doing this all the time, all day, every day. Because the more you practice it while you're feeling okay, the better it's going to work when you're not feeling okay. And you have to commit to willingness. Willingness. Being willing to change your own rules. Be willing to feel anxious but face your fears at the same time. Be willing to be brave. Use your grounding techniques and your mindfulness. Feel the anxiety until it increases. And then note to yourself, hey, check it out. Nothing bad happened. I didn't die. I'm okay. I got through it. This would be the first time I've really sat with it instead of running. This is cool. Wow, I was brave. Pat yourself on the back. Celebrate your victories. Every little tiny, it might seem like a tiny minuscule thing, but it is not. It is huge. It's a huge step in progress for you. So don't minimize any of your efforts. Every effort you make is huge. And you need to be proud of yourself for taking that step. So imagine what scares you every day for 10 minutes. This is like mild baby steps of exposure therapy. So let's go back to the dog thing. You're scared of dogs. Dogs will bite you. They'll tear your heart out. All these, you're picturing a werewolf when you're faced with a poodle because of your anxiety, right? So close your eyes and imagine that werewolf, that dog, that chupacabra, whatever it is, imagine it sitting across the room. It's not attacking you. It's not doing anything. It's just sitting there looking around. And you're going to feel a lot of anxiety because you're scared of dogs, right? 
So just imagine it across the room from you or maybe across the street, whatever is comfortable. But imagine a dog and notice your heart rate increasing. Notice that you're sweating or your hands go numb. Notice that your breathing is shallow. Notice how you feel when you think about that thing that scares you the most, right? And then notice how different you feel when you begin to continue to visualize what scares you, but you're doing the deep breathing in through your nose for four seconds, hold your breath for four seconds, exhale for four seconds out of your mouth, make a noise when you do it, or you can sigh like that. And when all the breath is out of your lungs, hold for four seconds and repeat while you continue in your mind's eye to stare at this thing that scares you to death. Try that for 10 minutes every day. And when it doesn't feel so scary anymore, then, you know, if you're afraid of dogs, you could go sit on your front porch and watch your neighbors as they walk their dogs past your house. And when you feel like you can handle that, then you might call a friend who has a dog that you've avoided forever because of the dog. And you might ask your friend to meet you at the park and bring their dog on a leash, of course, and let them know you're still, you know, scared of dogs, but you're trying to get over that fear of dogs and have your friend be supportive and help you to be able to maybe pet the dog or just sit near the dog. And then eventually you do want to pet the dog and give the dog a treat and show yourself they're not all werewolves, bloodthirsty werewolves. They're, you know, I I was wrong. And then you may get to a point where you'll go to a dog park where all the dogs are running around everywhere. You could also go to a pet store and see the dogs in their little kennels. That could be a good step. Um... I had a client who had a lot of fears, like, um, I don't know if you ever watched the show Monk, um, it's no longer on the air, but it was funny, Monk was a former detective, and he developed OCD and all kinds of phobias after he lost his wife, and um, this client compared herself to Monk, and she had a list, a long list of fears. And she decided to go ahead and try this baby step exposure experiment. And she went to a pet store. She was afraid of snakes. She was afraid of scorpions. She was afraid of cats. She was deathly afraid of crickets. They sold all of those things at that pet store. So she went in one day and she asked if she could hold a baby ball python. And she held her after she visualized for a while and got comfortable there. Then she took the next step to walk in and look at the baby ball python just through the glass a few times and sit with the uneasy feeling. She had gotten herself to the point where she was ready to touch it. So... The employee put this baby ball python in the palm of her hand and she held her hand way out away from her body and just looked at the snake and the snake didn't bite her and she slowly pulled her hand closer 
to her face, and she noticed that the snake, the shape of the snake's head and its little eyes, she noticed that it was just adorable, and she had never thought that about a snake before. As far as the scorpion, she got up to the scorpion's cage and looked in, and it was a big black emperor scorpion, <laughs> and she... She said she had to stand on a stepladder because it was up high. <coughs> and she said she almost fell off the stepladder. And she said, no way, never. I'm not going to get over that fear. And that's okay. You may have certain fears, like hers of the scorpion, that it's, it's pretty rational that you don't really need to get over that fear because that's scary. Um, fears of black widows and things like that. You don't have to overcome that and be their friends. It's cool. Just, you know, avoid those. It's fine. But something like a dog or a balloon. Some people are terrified of balloons, believe it or not. Um, Some people are terrified of making new friends. There are a lot of things that just are not very rational that we become terribly afraid of. And our anxiety goes through the roof. So definitely create kind of a hierarchy of what you're afraid of from the least amount of fear to the greatest amount of fear and be honest don't sugarcoat it what kind of stuff do you fear what interactions do you fear what animals um, situations are you afraid of public speaking are you afraid of falling in love are you afraid you can't trust yourself are you afraid you'll be burglarized in the night all these different fears I want you to prioritize them from a little afraid to terrified beyond function okay you could you could label it one through ten or just write the things you're less afraid of at the top and the things you're more afraid of at the bottom or vice versa write the most fearful thing at the top and the least fearful thing at the bottom and then fill it in accordingly and once you've made this list it's important that each day you decide which tiny baby step you're going to take toward decreasing that fear of something on your list and you get to pick you can pick a small thing or a big thing whatever you choose and you need to remember that you are in control you can rewire your brain you're absolutely worth it and you owe it to yourself and the universe to do this you're missing out on so much if you let anxiety consume you so little exposure therapy face your fears so to control your anxiety let's recap you need to expose yourself to something that scares you every day be brave sit with the anxiety check out my mindfulness and my dbt episodes check out my stupid thoughts stopping stupid thoughts episode Get those skills down pat first because you're going to need them. Um, But you want to expose yourself. Choose something that matters more than your anxiety as your motivation. What matters more to you than that anxiety? Is it your happy marriage? Is it your children? Do you avoid doing certain things with your children, like going to the park because you have anxiety? Um, Do you 
get angry with yourself because you don't put yourself out there to try the things you want to try in life because you're scared. What matters more to you than that anxiety? That is your motivation. So make sure you think about that. It gives you a reason to beat this anxiety. Um, Next is radical acceptance, which is also in my DBT series. So you have to be willing to battle this anxiety. You have to be willing to face your fears. And you have to radically accept the fact that anxiety is built into our DNA. We'll never get rid of it. It's always going to be there. But the goal is to make it a healthy functioning anxiety instead of a toxic, dysfunctional, disordered anxiety. So accept the fact that you have the anxiety. Don't judge it as good or bad. It's okay if you feel anxious. Accept it. Use meditation, mindfulness, and DBT at least 10 minutes a day when you feel good so that when you need it the most, when you have anxiety, it will be more effective. Facing your fears, practice, 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 just like all the tools that you learn here. Over time, it does get easier to face your fears if you practice using all the tools. If you have a type A personality and you're a perfectionist, or if you have a mild to moderate OCD type personality and everything has to be just so, you need to let go of that. Don't compare yourself to others. Don't compare yourself to maybe your ideal self who you think is perfect. Don't compare yourself at all. Be real with yourself. And if you're having a hard time with that, like you can never make a mistake, you must be perfect all the time. If you're really struggling with that, I want you to take a journal or talk to a friend or family member every single day and tell them one mistake that you made that day. And it's not to shame yourself. It's to say, I'm not perfect. I'm always learning and I'm open and I'm willing to learn more so that I can grow. So you're learning to kind of humble yourself and get away from that perfectionism. Remember to reframe all the negative thinking patterns that you have. So you've got to listen to the Stopping Stupid Thoughts episode and have a notebook and a pen and identify the ones you engage in the most and start reframing those. This is going to be key because if you change the way you think, you rewire your brain and you change your whole life. So this is a big key factor. You've got to identify your cognitive distortions. You've got to reframe them. So check out the episode on Stopping Stupid Thoughts. Listen to it over and over until you get it down pat to where you're walking down the street or you're sitting with your family. You overhear a conversation and in your head you'll be thinking, oh, he's catastrophizing or she's personalizing or I want you to have everything memorized. Don't go pointing it out. Don't go pointing fingers or anything, but I want you to be able to recognize it in yourself and others to the point where it's part of your thinking because this is the key. And then, of course, goals. 
You want to set your small goals to get to your big goals. Exposure therapy and little baby steps, doing one little thing daily that scares you. And then journal about it and talk about what was scary, how you were able to tolerate the fear, and what was the outcome. You might say, I didn't die. I was kind of scared for no reason. Or you might say, it was super terrifying, but in the end, I sat through it even though I hated it, and I give myself credit for being able to stand it and being willing to try. Okay? And above all else, celebrate your victories. Celebrate every day when you do something that scares you. Celebrate every time you face a fear. And celebrate every time you catch yourself reframing a stupid thought. Have a good support system, a family member or a friend. Make sure that they are very helpful and supportive and uplifting, but also make sure they don't sugarcoat a damn thing and make sure they hold you accountable when you mess up. You need somebody who will be there for you, but also kind of smack you back into reality when you start getting the helplessness going on or the victim attitude or, um, you know, denial, that kind of thing. You need a friend, a support person who will say, ha ha, you're not, you're not going there. That's bullshit. And you know it, I call bullshit on you. If, if that's going to be a really good therapist, go get that therapist. If it's, if it's a friend, if you know somebody who's like that, um, they're very loving and supportive, but they can also dish out that tough love and that's what you need. Um, do not beat yourself up. If you, if you get up next week and you say, today's the day I start to face my anxiety, I am going to, you know, let's use the dog again. I'm going to go outside and watch my neighbors walk their dog. And then you, you see a neighbor with a dog and you say, eek, and you run back in the house and shut the door and say, oh my God, don't beat yourself up. Change is hard. Change is super difficult. It takes a lot of work. And just, you know, to recap really quick, anxiety is always going to be with you. It is a natural, normal alarm system built into our DNA. Um, but once you learn how to control it the way that it should be controlled, it will no longer hold you back. You'll be taking your power back. And like a domino effect, there are so many things in your life that will improve, including your own self-confidence and your self-respect. So I hope this episode on anxiety was helpful for you. Thank you for the love and support. Now go out there, face your demons, dissect them, find out what they've been feeding them, feeding on, and stop supplying that food. All right, make good choices. Have a great day.